Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this Monday. Thank you for joining me today. And my guest is joining me all the way from Ontario, Canada. That is not in my backyard, ladies and gentlemen. Her name is Deidre Maloney. Welcome to the show, Deidre. Oh, thank you so much, Marcia. It's great to be here with you. Oh, gosh. I feel like I want to be like Al Roker on the Today Show and say, what's the weather like? What, what's it like with, at your house at, at 4 o'clock in the afternoon today? Actually, it's a little cool. It's kind of windy out, and but it's nice. Uh-huh. It's like a refreshing day, I would say. Oh, wonderful. Well, I'm glad. I would say that my house is just kind of what we would have called in June, June gloom. It's kind of gray, and I don't know why, but hey. that you've joined us today and I know that Deirdre is your name but I also know that you go by D and since D Maloney is actually your website and I'm going to spell that for people because maybe they don't know how you spell Maloney D is D-E-E mm-hmm. Maloney is M-A-L-O-N-E-Y dmaloney.com that is D's website and you'll see her beautiful smiling faces if you go to that website but let's let's start off because this is what I think is it's so important to me to be honest with you. I like to know who are my guests, who are you. So so I, I mentioned that you're in Ontario, but I thought you could just tell us a little bit about yourself because I know your book Unfold Me is really about your life. But before we get to the book, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you. Um, so my name is Deirdre, as you all know already, and I go by D. And I am in Canada. I was born here. And uh, we do travel quite a bit, though. So in another two months, we'll be heading to Arizona for five months. Mm. Uh, we like to spend our winters abroad as snowbirds. Um, so that's quite enjoyable. We homeschool our three youngest kids, so we're able to do that with them. And it actually makes for a really great homeschooling experience for them although they do complain about missing the winter. So I feel a little bit guilty really? about that sometimes. Yes. Hmm. We stayed just long enough to get about three weeks worth of winter. So we do some snowshoeing and, and that, um, but they don't really get to have that full winter experience. So I think I'm one of curious. these years we're going to have to stay home. Yes. Well, I'm curious to ask you because I have a son and daughter-in-law that live in Tucson. What part of Arizona mm-hmm. do you visit when you go to the in winter? Yeah, we are in Tucson. Yeah, I love no. it in Tucson. It's great cycling, and that's a big um, thing for us is why we like to go away is so we can do our outdoor sports. And, yeah, so we are in Tucson. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, that's really – wow, I didn't realize that that's where you are. I know that there are a lot of snowbirds that clearly go to Arizona um, for the winters. Uh, that's that. I loved hearing that about you. And you, 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 like you said, you homeschool your kids, so that provides you that opportunity, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Oh, that's and that's. 
great. Yeah, it's great. Well, you don't have to pull them out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And do you have pets that you also bring with you, or is it just the five of you? Yes. We have a dog. His name is Chester, and he's a King Charles Spaniel, and he travels with us. Um, and this last year we went, we had to fly because the borders were closed for driving, and so that was his first flight. <laughs> so that was interesting for sure. And we had yes. to ship our car over, so that was a whole um, interesting ordeal to go through. But uh, it might be the same this year because the border is still closed, so we may have to fly and ship yeah. the car and ship the dog. And <laughs> oh, boy. What, Crazy so, uh, you know, if if anybody doesn't know what a King Charles Cavalier is, I know that everybody's walking around these days with doodles, and I know this is not what this show is about. But if I was going <laughs> to get a dog, which I'm not because I have a cat, that mm. is the cutest dog that I have ever seen. It looks like a stuffed animal. They are so cute. I just think they're yeah. adorable. They're really cute. All He's right. Precious. Oh, I'm sure he is. That's so funny you said that because my daughter-in-law's dog's name is Precious. But you know what? This isn't about Aww. her or me. This is about <laughs> us. So let's talk about you. All right. So you've written this incredible book called Unfold Me. And underneath it, it actually says, unfold layers of your wounded heart and begin living your dream life. And I love the photo because it's a picture of um, a swallowtail butterfly, which could take me in another entire direction. Because, Dee, as we are speaking, I have a cocoon on um, a plant outside that is just waiting to open this beautiful bird. It, I, I'm assuming, wait, is it a monarch? I don't think it's a monarch, is it? No, maybe it is a monarch. Uh, I'm not now. I'm not I'm, sure. It, it, it's 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 unimportant. It probably is a monarch. Okay, but beyond that, <laughs> let's let's get over to your book. I told you this was going to be a conversation. So, how how did you come up with the title of Unfold Me? Well, the title usually actually people say, oh, was it difficult to come up with?" And I think for a lot of people it is because mm-hmm. you know this this really important one piece that people are first going to see it wasn't difficult for me at all though I had just started I don't think I actually hadn't started writing yet um and I went to a event where my girlfriend was being inducted into the local hall of fame for sports and so she was up there she's giving her speech and she coaches young swimmers and she was giving the speech saying how these young swimmers are like delicate little butterflies that are just hatching from their cocoon. And we need to unfold their wings very delicately and just help kind of nurture them along. And in the moment, you know, this, what she said, it was so beautiful. And yet so I felt so hurt at the same time because I didn't feel like anyone had unfolded me delicately when I was a child and I thought, oh, how differently things would have been if someone had have thought of me as that precious. And I thought, you know, but I could still unfold myself. And I just started getting the idea if I ever wrote a book, because it was sort of on my mind already, that I would name it Unfold Me. I am unfolding myself. And I decided to start writing a blog to get used to people reading my work. So I thought, let me just test this out and see how it feels to have someone read private details about your life. And so I called the blog The Unfolding Project. So that's theunfoldingproject.com. 
And so that it was actually really easy for me to come up with. And so it's my girlfriend, Paulina, and her beautiful speech that led to the, to the name of my book. Isn't it interesting how things happen like that? I, I, mm. I don't think it happens for many, of, many people unless their minds are open possibility. And it's not always easy. I mean, things are unplanned. Sometimes you, you, you know what's going on, and sometimes you just really don't. And mm-hmm. I know, based on what I know about you and your book, that your life was pretty difficult. And I, we'll, we're going to be talking about sports a little later into the show, but how interesting that what Paulina said had that effect on you and that you do have this blog and you are revealing yourself. You are stepping out from behind that curtain. So let me ask you, that I, I can't imagine this was easy to do, but what was your motivation to actually write this book? Mm. So the book actually started out as a therapy project. I was in group therapy and the therapist asked us to just write like a page or a paragraph and start it out with there once was a little girl and then go from there and just see what comes out, right? So I do that. There once was a little girl and then I just start typing away and then all of a sudden I have about 3,000 words and I'm like, wow, this is pretty much a chapter and I feel like I could keep going. I wonder if I should try writing a book. And I'd always thought my life was like a movie. Like I thought if I told people everything that's kind of I've been through and has happened to me, they, they just wouldn't believe it. So I thought, you know, it would make a really interesting book. But of course, I was terrified to share certain things about myself and terrified to publish it. You know, what are people going to think of me and what would my parents say and all of that? Um, and then I just felt like, well, let me just finish this and see what happens. I don't necessarily have to publish it because I found it really therapeutic. And through it, you know, I just really felt like I was relieving my own shame and fear that I've been carrying for so long, that putting this out on paper, like I said, was was like doing therapy. And so I would suggest it to anyone. I guess you could start with journaling and just getting some of that stuff out of your head if you've had any type of trauma, which we all have, right, to mm-hmm, different degrees. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so that that is... That is how it got started. It was a therapy project, and I was very um, happy to do it. It worked well. <laughs> it was a good project. <laughs> I, you know, I love, I love what you just said because I live by that same principle. Sometimes when I am so stressed, and I mean whether it's now or it was 20 years ago when I was a membership director at my local Y, if I got it out of my head and onto paper – it reduced some of that level of stress. My shoulders came down a little bit. And it was like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at least I've captured it. And I, I, so I understand what you're saying. Our, our stories are not similar. And your story is pretty remarkable, your experience. And um, you were diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And you talk about this in your book. Maybe people don't even know what bipolar is. I happen to know myself. I have family members of 
that I'm familiar with that have bipolar. Could you just share just briefly what bipolar disorder is? Yeah, so while well, I can share my experience, I know there's varying Please. degrees, right? It could be mild or it could be really extreme. And I would say my case was probably more on the mild end of it. Um, okay. The you know, doctor that diagnosed me thought that the bipolar has been brought on by traumatic experiences, um, like, you know, being molested as a child, I was raped at a very young age. Um, so those things, you know, they disrupt your brain, right? And then, so there's a chemical imbalance and I actually started using drugs and I think that was my way of medicating this bipolar disorder. But basically I would have, um, you know, I would spend money, erratical with money. Uh, I was very promiscuous, lots of sexual activity, very risky behavior, like staying out all night, um, meeting new men that are much older than me and just going with them, hooking up with them, like not, not really having any fear or boundaries around those things. Um, and then there'd be like crying spells where I just couldn't stop crying. You know, it would be days of crying, crying on my way into work. And, um, so that was really exhausting. And then sometimes, you know, bouts of insomnia where I can't sleep and I'd just be looking at the clock waiting for it to hit five o'clock in the morning so that I could go to the gym excessively working out right training twice a day to to burn off that energy so you have these highs where you're like super productive and doing all of these things and then you have lows where you just don't want to get out of bed and you're crying all the time so that was sort of my experience and I know it can get more severe than that where Mm -hmm. um but yeah so I was medicated for it and I was on medication I guess for about 14 years and I was able to come off of medication three years ago after following a very strict um, meditation routine for about a year. Um, so I'm willing to go back on medication again if I ever need to. I'm not against it. But I do think that if we can, if our brain can be wired due to trauma, then why can't we unwire it back to healthy through healing, Right. And so that was my experience with it, is that um, I was able to do that. But, I mean, I did a lot of healing work. It was years and hours and hours of work with therapists and, like I said, meditation and writing and yoga and just so much, so much stuff to get that under control. Wow. You know, that's a major life um, shift. And 17 years, or 14 years, you said, you were treated for mm. for this. That's a huge part of your life. Yeah. And to be able to come off of your medication, congratulations. I mean, seriously, that just, that makes me want to well up for you because that yeah. couldn't have been easy. That could not have been easy for you. But it sounds like you surrounded yourself with loving people that were in your mm-hmm. corner. And um, the fact that you can just outwardly discuss things that you probably, like you said, felt shame about and that you just behaved in a way that that's just what you did. 
I, I you know, yeah. I, the fact that you can express that and the fact that you've put what was a group therapy kind of experience into the written word so that other people can read this and go, man, if she can do this, I can do this. Or perhaps someone is listening that says, if she could do this, maybe my sister can do this. Maybe my granddaughter can do this. Maybe my loved one can do this. And it's not like it's only women that have this experience. It's just that you and I are speaking as women. I know that it is not exclusive Mm -hmm. to women. Absolutely. What was your... I hate to bring up what's negative because I know we're going to talk about the positives, but what was your, did you have a rock bottom where it was like, oh, my God, I just can't do this? Did you have that rock bottom moment? Yeah, so I would say, you know, around the age of probably 23, my oldest daughter's father had just left me, and I was working two jobs, so I was a single mom. Um, and I was actually addicted to cocaine at the time. I had I'd struggled with drug addiction through my teenage years, got sober when I got pregnant with my daughter. And then when she was about four, I started using again for a few years. And I really just felt like I was falling apart. I was, I was so stressed. You know, this is where I'm crying, going into work all the time. And I actually had someone confront me about my drug use. They asked me point blank, are you using drugs? And I kind of tried to brush it off, like, oh, I just party casually. Because that's what you tell yourself, too. Mm-hmm. And then he wasn't letting it go. He drilled me a bit more. And when I admitted to that, yes, you know, Thursday night, my daughter goes to my in-laws for the weekend, and I pretty much stay awake and party all weekend long. He says to me, you should be ashamed of yourself. You are that little girl's role model. Like, how dare you, like, show up this way? And it just felt like this slap across the face that just, it sent the message home so strong. And I quit the drugs, cold turkey, drinking, and the cocaine. I called all my friends. I told them, I'm not hanging out with you guys anymore. And it was really difficult time. That's actually where I got into therapy and was diagnosed with the bipolar and got on medication. Uh, but it was a hard time because I, was, I felt really alone. I didn't really have anybody have my back. You know, my relationship with my parents was really strained. And that was probably my rock bottom, I would say. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. You know, I am... The more you and I speak, and I, you know, I, I'm so sorry that the, my shows are not visual as well as audio because I would like to be looking into your eyes as you're speaking, but I feel like I'm looking into your eyes as you're speaking. And for you to stop cold turkey, that alone is really remarkable because many people cannot do that. So. That's that's pretty darn impressive. Do I hear Chester in the background? <laughs> you do. <laughs> oh, bless his little heart. Okay. So, and that's totally okay with me. Um, sometimes I suppose people have to hit rock bottom, and everybody's bottom is different. Everybody's circumstances are different. 
but it sounds to me that once you went cold turkey and once you really got into effective um, therapy, it just changed your life. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Do you, do you believe that if someone was listening, struggling with addiction, do you think that they need to hit rock bottom in order to want help? You know, in my experience, I do believe that because I think most addicts don't really see that they have a problem. Like they do kind of recognize that something's wrong, but you're just so worried about getting that next fix and that you think that next fix is going to make everything okay. Like this is going to solve all the problems. That's what the drugs tell you, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think you kind of need to be brought down to your knees where you are desperate, right, for help. Like, I think you need to get to that desperate place. So I think the rock bottom is really important. And this is why, you know, you see that show Intervention where these people oh, have yes. family members that are giving them money and housing them and all of that, where that, you know, when you have someone taking care of you, that's it doesn't allow you to hit the rock bottom. That's why it's really important to set up strong boundaries with anyone in your life that has addiction because it forces them to maybe hit that rock bottom, even though you don't want them to. Of course, we don't want anyone to hurt and suffer that no. badly. Sometimes no. that's what we need to change. No one, no one changes when they're feeling good and happy. Change happens in the struggle. That's where we grow, right? That's powerful. Change happens. Say that again. I, I, that needs to be repeated. Yeah, change happens in the struggle. That is where in we the, do our growing. Right. You know, you're right. So you go into some detail about some of your experiences, and you've mentioned a, a lot about what you experienced how you experienced what some of the things you went through as a, I don't know how young you were when you were getting into all of this trouble, but um, was it difficult to write about this? Yeah, at times it was really difficult. I would say the first half of the book was actually quite easy to write because it was so therapeutic and I felt like that stuff had been stuffed down for so long and it just wanted to come out. Like it was just pouring out of me. I found Mm -hmm. that quite easy, but then you have to sit and reflect on it. And that part's not easy, right? To sit and think about some of the terrible things that have happened to you. And so there's there's a real process that goes on there. Um, Surprisingly, I found the most difficult part of the book to write was the end of it. It's like, how do I wrap all of this up? I've just exposed all of this detail about myself. Now, how am I supposed to end it, right? So I had to take some time there. I actually had to close it all down and not write for a while and just come back and, and figure out how I wanted to end it, which I do end with, you know, sort of how I got here. So what are all the steps that I went through and the different um, holistic healing methods that I used to help me cultivate this dream life that I have now. Do you find, um, I don't know, um, I think 12-step programs are are universal. Were you part of a 12-step program? No, I never was. I always did uh, individual therapy. Um, Okay. 
And then uh, I did the group therapy for a while. So that was like a women's group of 10 women that got together once a week. That actually was really amazing. If you can find a group for that's professionally run, because they have lots of groups out there, but I think you need a professional therapist in it if you have real problems, right? And uh, that, for me, was really eye-opening because it showed me that I could be accepted. Mm-hmm. So I thought that I was unworthy and that nobody would like me if they knew these things about me, the drug addict, you know, prostitute as a teenager. Like if I told someone those things, they would think I was disgusting is what I'm telling myself in my head. Right. And I go to this group. I don't know anyone there. So I decide, you know what, I'm just going to tell them everything. I don't know any of them. Who cares if they think terribly of me, I don't have to come back. But it was the opposite. These women opened their arms and they just, they said, wow, you know, you're so amazing. You've survived all of these things. And then when they shared, I got to see like, oh, they feel scared too. They feel guilty too. They feel shame. So even though our stories were totally different, the feelings underneath the stories were the same. And so that allowed you to connect to each other. And, you know, it just showed me that we're not alone. And I guess that's kind of how the 12-step program works. When someone comes up and they share and then you realize, oh, wait, I'm not the only one Mm -hmm. that's had these terrible things happen. So I guess it's kind of a similar experience to that. I guess I probably, you know, people that I am familiar with that have have done 12-step, I don't know that there's quite the therapy, therapy side of it, the way you just described this. And I, I can only imagine sitting there with a group of 10 of you. And it can Mm -hmm. be over any reason. I mean, I was an instant widow. I could have sat with other widows and said, oh, my God, how are you dealing with this? I didn't. I I didn't go that route. But for you to be able to sit with other women that you don't have to really explain yourself, there's already – a great level of comfort. And so do you, as someone that's experienced this, do you put yourself out there for others to perhaps reach you that you might be able to be that mentor to them? Yeah, so, well, I guess that's what, you know, sort of why who I wrote the book for would be other people that have experienced trauma or, you know, to let them know that they're not alone. And this is um, men and women, as you said, women, Mm -hmm. you know, we're women talking about our experiences. And I think women may connect a little bit more to my story, but men will too, right? And I think anybody that's um, felt abused or betrayed or suffered with addiction or had low self-worth or body image issues, um, then this book will be for them because they will be able to connect to my story in a deep way. And, and that's why who I wanted to write the book for is, you know, people that are, are feeling alone and feel like they need to hide because I felt like I needed to hide for so many years. And it actually sent me to a nervous breakdown, if I'm completely honest with you, hmm. um, you know, a few years ago. And that's where I've gotten to this group therapy and started writing the book is um, this, the secrecy of it all and feeling like I couldn't be myself, that it it just was weighing on me. It was too heavy. And I just felt like I was going to fall apart. It gave me extreme anxiety. I couldn't leave the house. And so after exposing these things about myself, 
it actually helped to lift that feeling, kind of lift the curtain, as you said at the beginning. And, and that's what I want to do for other people. If they're feeling that shame for any reason, I want them to be able to read my story and say, oh, my gosh, I'm not alone. There's someone else out there that has experienced this. And, wow, look, she's shared the story. You know, maybe I don't need to feel so shameful about these things. I, I love that. I, I do, Dee. I think that that's, that is an enormous gift. And, you know, it's kind of a two-part gift, isn't it? Because not only is it a gift to your readers, it was a gift to you. And I, yeah. I see that. My hand goes to my heart. I see that. That, yes, you are revealing and how you want to help others by unfolding yourself, which I think is a, just a brilliant title. Um, but you can't help others until you yourself have been helped and so that you are authentic and, and you mm-hmm. understand, I can't write that book. I didn't live that life. So for me to consider, you know, a holistic healing mentor, well, I haven't walked those shoes. So for you yeah. to have been in those shoes, and we're going to talk about bike shoes in just a second um because that's another part of you that is very fascinating to me um i think that it's fascinating and i'm just wondering before we do start talking about the cycling side of life how did your husband feel about you sharing your story about this life that you had yeah so he is actually was super supportive He's always kind of pushed me to be outside of whatever box I want to put myself in. And, you know, I don't think there's a lot of men that would be comfortable with their wives sharing in great detail as I have in my book about my past sexual experiences and, you know, traumas that happened to me as a child. But he uh, is really, really supportive of it, had no issue with it at all whatsoever. It was just like, if this is what you want to do, if this is what's helping you, if this is going to help other people, then yes, absolutely go for it. Um, and it's funny because there was a time when I thought that all of this stuff was going to the grave with me. I was like, I am not telling anyone about this. Like, I even thought if I get married, like, he is not going to know these things about me. And, you know, when I first started dating my husband, I was terrified to actually tell him about the bipolar disorder. It's the first one. And I was scared because I thought, number one, he's going to think I'm crazy. And number two, he's going to not want to have children with me because he will be worried that this will be like some genetic thing that I passed down to them. So I remember when I had to tell him that I had the bipolar. I didn't have to tell him, but I'm thinking, okay, we're a few months in here. It's getting serious. You know, this is something I I feel like I should reveal. So I said, you know, I got to tell you something. And he says, okay, what? I said, well, I have bipolar disorder. I have to take medication for it. You know, basically, if I don't, I have extreme anxiety and I'm a little crazy. And he's like, oh. And there was like this look of relief on his face. He says, I have to tell you something, too. And I said, oh. He said, well, I was in AA at the age of 19 for a few years because I had problems with alcohol as a teenager. And I was like, oh, good. Okay, we're, we're both. A little, (laughs) 
you know, so we both have had some experiences here. So it's funny, like I'm thinking he's going to be, this is going to be a deal breaker and he's going to break up with me. And meanwhile, he's relieved about it. So that was really amazing. So that's, you never know, right? What, no. what other people have going on. And if you share how, what you're like, what you're helping them with, right? Wow. That's, that's, that's fascinating. Wow. All right, I've been. I feel like I want to do this thing we like we do in Rotary. We have like a drum roll, but um, I'm not going to beat on my desk, so we're not going to do that. <laughs> but this is so. This is another side of you that I find find so interesting. So you are the founder of Highgate Racing, and this is really pretty remarkable. And I would I would recommend and and I will I will make sure that this information goes to my blog. But for those of you that might be listening, HighgateCycling.com is the website, and you can you can check that out because man oh man, tell us tell us about Highgate, tell us what 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 that is for people that have never heard of it. All right, so Highgate Racing is an all female competitive cycling team in Canada. We're the largest. And it started out five years ago. I was I'm into cycling. I'm a competitive cyclist. And I just was seeing some inequalities in sport between men and women. So I was on a, a mixed gender team. And, you know, it seemed like the guys got all the, you know, social media representation and um, sponsorships that were coming into the team went to the men. And I just thought, oh, this doesn't seem right. Like, why can't the girls shine too? So I decided, you know what, I'm going to start my own team. And it was just for fun. I just asked a couple of my other girlfriends that cycle, do you want to be on this team? And Highgate is actually the name of our family business, which is Highgate Properties. Um, It's a real estate brokerage and property management company in Toronto. So, So my our family business sponsored the team and you know it started out small I think there was maybe 11 of us the first year and now after five years we have 25 women I've got I think seven um, youth athletes that I raise money for and um, sponsor them to help pay for some of the expenses because the cycling you know it could cost up to $20,000 a year as a sport if you include a bike and race fees and traveling so it's a really expensive sport to be in and I just wanted young women um, to not leave the sport based on financial. I wanted, sure. yeah, because I feel for me, sport really helped turn my life around. Um, it gave me something to help me rebuild my confidence when I was feeling really low. I didn't get into sport until I was about 32 years old after uh, my husband and I had had our um, two children. I had postpartum depression. I was really depressed. And I said, you know, we really got to do something here because our marriage was struggling. And we said, you know, okay, let's start running together. We'll hire a running coach and that'll help me overcome my depression. It'll give us a chance to spend time together and it'll help me get back in shape and feel better about myself, Mm -hmm. Um, which it did do all three things. Um, So the running coach was a professional triathlete. So she's that swim, bike, run. And she said, hey, why don't you guys get a bike? Why don't you guys try swimming? So we did, and we ended up doing triathlon for a few years. And that switched, wow. ended up switching over to cycling. So that's 
how I got into it. And it was, it was so life changing for me. And it gave me so much in my life. Like I just love sport. It is amazing. So I see the value in keeping young women in sport as they're going through college and university and hanging on to that so that they can have something for themselves. Because I think women, a lot of the times, you know, we, we can get married and have kids and you kind of can lose yourself and like, oh, what is it that I like? What am I interested in? So I'm really hoping that these young women that I support, that they can hang on to the sport um, so they have something to take with them for, you know, later in life or just to keep them out of trouble. Who knows, right? And, um, yeah. I think that's so – I'm looking at your website, highgateracing.com, and um, I'm just I'm just looking at your formation. At, at this particular picture on your cover, look like they're all adults. But are you saying that you also have young girls? I'm I'm presuming that that is. I'm, oh, I don't know. So let me ask you: Is is are there young girls, or do you have do young boys also? Who who else is part of this besides these the women? Who are your youth races? Yeah. So it's all it's all female. And when I say youth, it's it's like 17 to 23. Oh, okay. So these are girls so that are in okay. high school or they're entering early education for college or university. Um, my daughter is on the team. She's 10. So she's actually our youngest athlete. Then we have 17, uh, 19, and then it goes up from there. So there's seven I of see. those girls from age of 10 to uh, 25. And your 10-year-old can keep up. Wow. Well, she does a different. She does more mountain biking, so it's a little bit different. Okay. She doesn't do the road, um, but she did just do her first triathlon uh, last week, so that was really mm. cool. Um, yeah, so she's really into it. She's following in mom's footsteps for sure. Let me ask you about triathlon, because yeah. um, I worked at the YMCA for a long time, and a lot of people were athletic, as you would imagine, and. My supervisor actually was a swimmer, and so she competed in a triathlon, and she was one of three. She did the swim, another guy that was mm. part of the branch, he did the bike, and another guy that was part of our membership, he did the run. Is that the same thing that you do, do you, or do you actually, as triathletes, do you actually do all three components? Yeah, I do all three components. You do. So what she did was a relay, which I have participated in. But, yeah, I do all three. Yeah, so I'm training for that now, and I'll be doing my first half Ironman distance, which is uh, over probably a five-hour – it's probably about a five-hour race. And um, that will be in actually California in April. So So I'm training for that right now. Okay, let's let's talk about that real quick, um, and it doesn't have to be real quick. But I'm I'm in a Rotary Club, and one of our members is an Uber. I'm, oh, not and I said Uber. I'm an ultra athlete, mm. and he does. He's he's been a he's been a he's done the Ironman. I see. Yeah. Isn't that funny? D. I thought Ironman were Ironman competitions. I thought. Incorrectly, obviously, we're only done in Hawaii. I don't know why I thought that. So they're not <laughs> just in Hawaii. Is that they, they? But the Ironman competition is longer bike, run, um, swim, isn't it, than a regular triathlon? Or do I have that wrong? 
Yeah, there's all there's different distances. So there's sprint, which is like a short distance. There's Olympic, which is the one they do in the Olympics, and it's sort of a medium distance. Then they have the half Ironman, which is a long distance, and then they do the full Ironman, which is a really long. <laughs> that's your long distance. But like, so wait, let me interrupt you, right? Yeah, I'm so I'm so sorry to interrupt you because I do want you to finish your thought, but I'm I'm so interested in knowing this. So for an Ironman, how many miles is that? Oh, see, I do kilometers. Okay, how many miles? So okay, so what is it in kilometers? I'll write it down that way. All right. So uh, for the Ironman, you're doing a four-kilometer swim. Then you're doing 180 kilometers on the bike. And okay. then you're doing a 42-kilometer run. Okay. I presume that that is more than a regular, um, um, what am I just trying to say that you were doing before, Other, the, the, just a triathlete. That, that, the, that's yes. different than the Ironman. That's, this, is, this is more than that. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. You have like basically four different categories of length. And they sort of double. Each one doubles, right? I see. As you go up. I see. Mm-hmm. They double the distance pretty much. Have you done Ironman marathons before? No. So my first, I'll only be doing the half Ironman, will be in April, and that'll be my first. I, I stick to the two shorter ones, the Olympic and the sprint. Uh, but I'm ready to take on a new challenge. Oh, how exciting. Really? That, yeah. That, it, it'll and, be fun. And your endorphins must just be racing out of control, right? Yeah, my God. I, mean, I can't imagine. As you race and after when you finish, you're just you're high. I think this is yeah. why I like it actually. Because <laughs> <laughs> like it gives me that high. Like it's it's you're you're on cloud nine. Yeah, you finish something like that and you are on cloud nine. Wow, that's yeah. I I have I've had the experience of walking a half a marathon, which was what thirteen mm. two I think. I think a marathon is yeah. 26, something like that. I think so that it was 15-something. Yeah. And I walked it um, without training for it. It just sort of it was a happenstance, take advantage opportunity. But I would agree with you. There is something so satisfying about the completion of something like that. So I yeah. think this is so great. And, and for you to have the largest team, not just in Ontario, but in all of Canada, that's that's remarkable. That it really mm-hmm. that is just that is really remarkable. And I think I heard you. I understood you to say that when you were starting to do this um, quite some time ago, um, it really did sort of help with your postpartum. It sounds like that that just getting physical, right? Totally. I, I think the getting physical and also being connected in the community. So I was actually speaking at an event the other night and I was saying, you know, when I was changing, you know, what, what was the big change? Like if I could pick two words, what would they be of how I was able to change my life? And the two words that I would pick are um, community and connection. Oh my God. We all crave connection, right? And if we get connected in our community, like we are capable of so much when we can find that support, find people that want to see us succeed because they are out there, right? Yes. There are people out there that yes. want to help you. They want you to succeed. And in a day and age where, you know, people seem cold or social media can be nasty and stuff, 
you know, trust me, there are good people out there. You know, I so wish we were sitting at Starbucks together looking at one another because I I don't know that you know this, but you might know this. I had no intentions of doing what I've been doing for over six and a half years. But my yeah. tagline is conversations plus connections equals community. Oh, yeah. And for you know, and so when you just said those two words, <laughs> I I get that because it's the yeah. truth. And we're living yeah. in such pandemic crazy times where some are more isolated than others. To just mm. be outside watching somebody walk their cavalier, and of course I'm <laughs> going to start a conversation with that total stranger. Um, yeah. You know, it it is so important. And I know that your book is going to help others, but just your message, just how you speak, um, it, it's transformative. And I know you use a word called wholehearted, and I, I like that word. I like the fact that you that you you use that word because that word is important to you, isn't it? Oh, very much so. Uh, yeah, it's just part of the journey. Well, I love Brene Brown. I love her work. Yep. And uh, you know, I've read all the books, watched all the <laughs> TED talks, mm-hmm. and all that. And yes. uh, you know, she talks a lot about being wholehearted. And mm-hmm. you know, isn't it so true that? You know, we have to accept these parts of ourselves that we want to deny in order to be wholehearted. Like, you you cannot be fully able to be joyful and grateful if you have to shame yourself for certain things that you've done in your past. We have to accept them. And that's where the wholeheartedness comes from, is, is accepting, self-acceptance, self-love cultivating that yes. self-worth yeah yes it's 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 so very true um it's just it's just fabulous um all right this isn't the only thing you do because i know you have another book because <laughs> yeah. i know that for somebody that is what i would call a tremendous athlete um probably the way you eat um is a part of what makes that happen for you. So let's talk yeah. about your latest book, which is in, which is called Unfolding in the Kitchen, which I think is <laughs> come on, you just that's just you. We're not talking laundry here, people. So um, <laughs> you know, I just I just love your branding. It, it's it's phenomenal. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your book. Yeah, so Unfolding in the Kitchen, it is a plant-based cookbook. It is health conscious. I, so my husband and I, we started eating a plant-based diet about seven years ago. We were just looking into different ways to best manage our weight and reduce inflammation. And, you know, we came across um, plant-based eating. And so we started researching. And we're like, yeah, okay, let's give this a try. And I was thinking, I don't know if I could give up meat. Like, that is, <laughs> you know, I was a real meat eater. Um, but I said, I'll give it a try. I'll try anything. After three days, I was like, oh, no problem. I will cut it out because I just felt so amazing. 
Um, and so after a few years, you know, I started, to, and I love cooking. I've always loved cooking. Oh, that's that's something nice. my mother gave to me. Um, yeah. And I liked learning. I found it very difficult when I first started eating plant-based, like, you know, lentils and making cheeses out of cashews and all these different things. I found it challenging and I found it took a long time. But once I got the hang of it, it started to become easy. And then it was just normal to, to make these things. And so, you know, over the years, I just started kind of creating my own recipes and um, writing them down. And then, you know, it got to a point where I had so many and I thought, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good cook and I really um, enjoy cooking and creating these things. I think I'm going to share share these with the world. So I thought, let me try creating the cookbook. And so I did. And it turned out beautifully. The photography is amazing and the, the dishes is. all look delicious and I've got tons of soups in there and salads appetizers a few different types of cheeses you can make and all condiments uh, desserts and breakfast things so it just has everything there's over 70 recipes and they're all delicious and it's just basically what my family eats all the time um, and they're the types of dishes, like I wanted things, you know, the things that I loved as a kid, like lasagna, macaroni and cheese, uh, chicken pot pie. I loved those things. So I wanted to mm-hmm. recreate them plant-based. So, so I did. And, uh, you know, a lot of trial and error, but things turned out and um, they're very delicious and they're health conscious. So low in unhealthy fats. And I got, you know, sugar-free options and gluten-free options. And there's something in there for everyone. If you've got some kind of restriction, you can, there's something in there for everyone. So, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. So that's out I now can, on Amazon. Isn't that great? And and so people can find Unfolding in the Kitchen out there. And, frankly, um, I'll make sure that people can can also find it because I think it's also on your website. But it's, it's yeah. interesting because I, I know that now I'm back to talking about myself again, but uh, when my daughter was, uh, what can I say? I, I can relate to my to my to my guests, and so I, that's what happens if if I was just letting you talk, and you know, it's, it's not as relatable. And I I can relate to many things you're saying. When my daughter was 11, she was done she became a vegetarian she said i'm i'm not eating that anymore and she she got very involved at PETA, and she it was like you know she she was you know anything that was animal tested and all of those things she started at a very young age and she was adamant she's an adamant woman she was an adamant mm. child she's an adamant woman and yeah i mean i couldn't even mix the spoons I'm making yes. lasagna and, and hamburger in one pan, and I got crumbles, Morningstar crumbles. There's very little out there 30 years ago, 35 yes. years ago, however long ago oh, that was. God. There wasn't Beyond Beef, and there wasn't Impossible <laughs> Burger. There wasn't all of these things that you can easily find today. And I was like, you didn't just put that spoon in my you, you no, know, tell me you did not put that spoon in, inside mine. We could not yeah. order a cheese pizza on half for her and a pepperoni on the other half for my son. Oh, no. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, she, and so consequently yeah. what's happened, and, and like you say, once you start start appreciating this, this type of, of dining, I mean, I'm looking at the picture of this beautiful um, – 
what is this? What, is this a taco salad here on the left or chili? Or I'm not sure what this is with the tortillas and the corn. And, um, but mm, the chili, it's a, it's yeah. A, yeah, mm. it's beautiful. Quinoa well, chili. Okay, okay, there you go, quinoa ch- chili. So, I mean, I have become enlightened because I have, you know, when we eat together every week, we, you know, we find ways of, of enjoying food and, and seasoning. Um, Szechuan-style yeah. tofu, if you haven't mm. come up with that recipe yet, we have a restaurant here in Los Angeles called Joey's, and they make Szechuan-style tofu, lettuce wraps. Mm, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. it's so good. Do you do you also Delicious, do you have right? recipes for hummus? Do you make hummus? I do, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, so, I don't have that in my cookbook, but yes, I do have yeah. made my own hummus. And that's the so, thing. This cookbook yeah. isn't just for people that want to eat plant based, right? It, it's just they're healthy options to change things up, right? So you don't have to not eat meat to to, to enjoy the book and enjoy the recipes, right? You absolutely. can have your meatless Mondays, and there's your cookbook for your meatless Mondays, right? Well, I'm so, looking at your yeah. no-bake almond date balls with dates and almonds and, you know, coconut. And, and so, mm-hmm. like you said, the, the, the photography is beautiful. Um, and, and you do have a video as well. So, uh, you know, I think it's just terrific how you, how, you, how you share all of what you do. And it, it just makes me wonder, listening to your story, um, we, we've heard about your background that led you to where you became that led you to your therapy that led you to your woman's group that led you to your writing your book and having this all written down now we've heard about you know unfolding in the kitchen we've heard about your racing group and i know i've seen those people racing in tucson i know exactly what you're talking about i i that's so fascinating to me so with all of that it makes me wonder how do you take the breath and find the balance between all? You're a mom. How do you and a wife? How do you find balance for you, Dee? What What do you do? Yeah, that's. Uh, I do sometimes feel like I'm going a little crazy because I got my spoon in a lot of pots. <laughs> yes. And uh, yeah, it's it's a little much sometimes, especially with homeschooling the kids. Uh, I find the the best way to keep myself balanced is through meditation. I try to take time every day to do a med- meditation, and especially if I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed. Mm-hmm. You know, I carve out 20 minutes in the afternoon, and if I hadn't been able to do it in the afternoon, I'll do it before bed. And I just find that really, really helps me to just bring everything down, right? To just shut your brain off, stop worrying, stop thinking, stop the list from going. And just to center yourself, it's my form of spirituality, I feel, you know, doing my meditation. I also practice gratitude a lot because it's so easy. Like, even though I live this amazing life, it's so easy to be like, oh, this sucks. I can't believe I have to do this. Or, you know, get into that negative mindset. And you've really got to stop and you got to say, hold on a second here. You know, we are living in a first world country. We have access to internet, clean water, you know, health care. So we really need to practice that gratitude to remind us that we are very, very lucky. 
And so gratitude and meditation are a big part of my self-care practice. And if, without them, I'd be spinning out of control. I'd be a mess. I'd be a hot mess. <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny that you say this because it's just another crossover for me. Um, I was taking a yoga class in, this, in the community taught by a woman that I met when I was working at the Y. And we were meeting in person until COVID prevented that from happening. And so now we do this on Zoom, and she's able to, we're able to position our laptops or iPads or whatever so she can see us, put her on speaker view. She puts us on mute, and then she just takes us through the practice. And every Tuesday at 1.30, my time, till 2.30, I don't let anything prevent me from missing that. Because mm. I understand the value of where my shoulders are, po- are supposed to be. And if I mm-hmm. am feeling overwhelmed and anxious, like why isn't this working? What's wrong with my computer? And I just got a new iPhone. How do I swipe up, down, side, back? Wait a minute. Where's my, what's my <laughs> password? I don't remember my password. Does anybody know my <laughs> password? It's like, oh, geez, my password? Wait, why didn't you tell me I needed to know my password? It just happens automatically. Really? So I just, yeah. you can hear it. And it was like, hello, yeah. hello, Yeah. take your time. But what I found so fascinating about what you just said is the time of day you do that. Now, granted, I don't have children in my home, but I'm interested to know that you do this sometimes bedtime. Do you do it at bedtime to allow yourself to have a peaceful night's sleep? Yeah, I find that really helpful. That's actually how I first started meditating was before bed, I would do sleep meditations. So it would help Mm. me fall asleep. And now I actually listen to rain sounds. I put that on YouTube while I fall asleep. That gives me an amazing sleep. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I like the meditation. I try not to do the sleep meditation unless I really can't sleep. Now I try to actually do a 10-minute meditation um, so I'm more present for it and not trying to fall asleep while listening to it. Yeah, um, And I also meditate with my kids. We go through phases right now. We're in one where they're off the hook and they're not really doing it. But um, I was just talking to them about it today. That I was coming back into the daily routine here because I noticed that they, their behavior is much better when they're meditating. Well, it allows us to focus. And mm-hmm. um, so I sort of start my day with that spiritual side that you just talked about and gratitude and I, and, and I can't just think it. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. cat while I'm saying it because she's probably yeah. on the bed with me at this point. Yeah. And I talk about my gratitude and gratefulness for her. And, yeah. And, my, and you're absolutely right. There are people that would love to have what we have. Mm. That, that water that comes out of our faucet. I'm, I'm not kidding you. When I stand in yeah. the shower in the morning, truly, I put my hands in the starfish, and you know what I mean, thumbs, hands wide separated, separated fingers separated on my tile while the water, the warm water is coming to my body, and I just say thank you because I'm mm-hmm. visualizing people that would love nothing more to have a shower. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes, and I, I have to say it out loud. I, I have to hear myself. Sometimes I have to just say to myself while I'm driving, you got this. Okay, so, yeah. okay, you, you missed the signal. That's okay. That's all right. Yeah. You're okay. 
you're going to go to the next light and you're going to turn left. And then you're going to pull over. Yep. I don't know why your new phone did not sync with your car, but your daughter's going to help figure that out with you because that's what you do with her, and that's what we did. Yeah. Stop stressing. So for you to be able to write this beautiful book and then to come out with yet another book for people to follow reading and for you to do your cycling and to enjoy your time, do you have you ever done a TED Talk? No, I'm actually was just talking with someone about it the other day. It's funny that you brought that up because it is. I, I think I'm going to start working on something. I have a connection for you. Oh, I have I I have a friend that lives in this community that actually works with people to be prepared for TED talks. And oh, nice. and the other thing that I did for a long time, but I just you know, there's only so many things you could do, right? But I was in Postmasters yeah. for a very long time. And I know so that that's I. also international. Well, you were too? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. so you get it. So, you get those, yeah. uh-huh, fill words. Okay, yeah, I like and so. So you understand. So then you just, then I go around and then I say so. And so you drop a coin in the, in the can. So you understand Postmasters <laughs> as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have a lot oh, in common, my friend. It's and a great I, program, yeah. It is a, it's a terrific program. So yeah. I'm just curious, what, what time of the year do you find yourself in Tucson? You get there like November or so? Uh, we'll be there November 25th. Yeah. And you'll stay through spring? Yeah, we'll come back home in May. When the wow. weather starts to get nice in Canada. <laughs> wow, wow! There will have to be yeah. a, my son. Work, my son and daughter on work, work for the University of Arizona. Um, I'll be actually doing my master swimming there during the week. I'll oh, swim at, my, at the U of A. Yeah. My goodness. All right. Well, you know what? I may not see you in Los Angeles, but I may see you in Tucson sometime. But yeah. for right now, I just want to say. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for sharing some really personal things about your life because you don't know who you helped today by just sharing your story and letting people understand that there's hope. And even if it's just a matter of journaling, even if it's just a matter of being inspired, even if it's just a matter of maybe getting into a women's group or or exercising or meditating, or working with your children meditating. Kids didn't even know about meditating. I mean, come on, that that wasn't something that we did with children. I know I certainly didn't. That's new to me. Yeah. So yeah. just just thank you um, so much for, for taking this time and sharing your story with me. I, I am so grateful for this opportunity. Well, well, thank you right back. I just uh, love your show, and I thank think you, you are an amazing, lovely host. So really oh. enjoyed my time with you today. Thank you. All right, everybody. Enjoy this last Monday of September because you know what? October is just next week, and we'll be there. So have a great week. Be safe, and I'll look forward to having you join me again. Bye for now. <laughs>